When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go. How are we feeling today, Bingetown? It's your boy, PD, a.k.a. Producer Dave here. Today, we are doing our Rooks and Vets coverage of the season finale of Alice in Borderland, Episode 8. I have with me Luke, Paul, and special guest appearance, Alki, as our vet show watchers. And then we also have Kyle, who is our rookie for the series. We have finally reached the conclusion of the season, and I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that we now have more questions than we do answers. There are so many cliffhangers in regards to plot and characters, but I just want to get everyone's quick overall thoughts on the final episode of this. Just real quick, I want to emphasize again, as we've been saying all series, we have no knowledge of the manga. So everything we're talking about here is going to be straight conjecture. We're going to be ma- now we're going to be a- able to openly ask Kyle questions and we all have the same knowledge base. So just keep that in mind. We know nothing about what is to come in season two. So I guess I'll preface this with saying that this is the third episode in a row that I watched under the influence <laughs> um at least for the first time that i watched it me and paul actually watched this together cuddling with some cats it was nice mm. uh this episode was amazing fuck yeah it was uh, cats. i would say just so many unexpected answers to questions it was just really really good and i'm really excited to talk about it i just i don't even want to say because <laughs> i feel like i have so much i want to say that i want to save it to when we get to parts to talk about yeah, I missed the last episode and I was upset, but I listened. You guys killed it, Kyle, especially that last 15 minutes of you just being wrong, conjecturing <laughs> about like what's going to happen. Killed it as a rook. We're um, going to cover what you were right and wrong about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I was hyped. I got to watch it with you and see your reaction to it, even if you were a little saucy. <laughs> Anything else? Any other final comments? Alki, your guest appearance? You don't want to say anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a great final episode. Like you said, it has it leaves us with many questions. Like Kyle said, it answered many questions that you didn't even realize you kind of had. You know what I mean? And I think that's pretty cool because you're like, oh, I'm excited to see the next season. You know? And that's like... Yeah, that's definitely true. Like, that's, I yeah. was thinking about when I finished watching it the second time when I like took some notes and shit was the first thing i thought of when i like the credit and credits came in was i can't wait to see the trailer for season two like, yeah. i don't like what are they gonna that tease that they're gonna give us i feel like i need it now yeah and like uh 30 minutes into the final episode you're still wondering asking yourself some questions but then they really tied up really they tied up really well i mean usually it's hard for the last episode in a season to end with such like a strong bang. I think, you know, it doesn't always happen like that. So it's just, I've said it before. It just shows how quality the show is. I won't get too specific about my thoughts on the episode, but I will say that when we were starting this Rooks and Vets series, I was most looking forward to episode six and seven just because I love the final matchups that all the militants get. And then we get to all the backstories and flashbacks of some of our characters here. But I was blown away. And I think I walked away thinking episode eight was better. Yeah, me too. I thought this was so fantastic. I think as an audience member, not not story specific, but 
Agni might have been the MVP of the episode for me because, dude. dude, I was like crying. Getting I, the superlatives at the end when, like, so we at the end, Luke yeah. has a bunch of questions for us of like favorite characters, blah, blah, blah. And it was so hard for me to not just be like, Agni just steals the fucking show in these last two episodes. Dude, like, it's unbelievable. I was just, his acting was great. So All the emotional backstories were just so centered around him and it just connected the dots for the Hatter. And just, it was such a perfect ending for the Bichu and just getting our final goodbye to some of these characters. Questionable goodbye, because we'll talk about that later mm. too. But all in all, episode eight was hype and the last 15 minutes was just all rise and I was ready to run through a wall. Yeah, that's for sure. Let's just get into it then, huh, guys? Seems like the uh, anticipation's there from all of us. <clears throat> so we open with the phone recording of Momoka and Asai. Shout out to IQ when they essentially when they first arrived in the world. So we don't get much beyond that. There's just an important quote here that I wanted to read out is after quote arriving, we met a certain person. Then we were brought to that place and we work there now. That's all you get. And then we see Momoka's dead body uh, in the lobby, cut screen, and then back into the plot. There's 15 minutes remaining. We have Chishia overlooking the lobby where Agony and his militants are about to murder a group of people. And here we kind of see the impact the killings are having on the militants. One of the guys is saying, like, I can't do this anymore. And the other one's like, we can't go back to our normal normal lives after slaughtering like hundreds of people. You got to just do it. And as Agony is basically about to execute those fellow militants for being insubordinate and churlish. <laughs> <laughs> Adisu arrives and the guy is pleading. The guy I do want to say is pleading for his life. Like, just fucking kill me. Honestly, at this point in time, I'd rather you kill me than kill anyone else. We know the episodes don't have names, so it's only episode eight. But if they were to name it, they should name this Agony beats the shit out of Arisu in front of everybody for the first <laughs> 20 minutes. Because that is all from what we get from right here, what they've just said. Arisu walking in, he is just going to get such a beating besides flashbacks until halfway through the episode. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes and like every one of these scenes is just Odyssey just getting his face kicked. Yeah, in. it's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, and then after he kicks Odyssey's ass, he just beats everyone else up too. It's just <laughs> oh my god, man. Just when he's ass. fighting all these people on coming and it wasn't they had had such big numbers and he was just organically kicking the shit out of him and it looked good and I Agony kills it here. Yeah, and not to get into it too much like crying like desperately like devastated oh the facial expressions from agony this episode were 11 out of 10 without a doubt like i said adisu arrives and he makes his claim for not being the witch and he asks everyone to help him find the real witch we know he's not the witch because he was locked in a room for two episodes he's got um, the perfect alibi yeah exactly. it's very smart of him to lead the conversation with that because mm -hmm. everyone's clearly on edge mm -hmm. and he's just like all right motherfuckers listen up first thing i'm gonna say <laughs> it's not me idiots so let me talk dude mob mentality is one of the scariest things in the world you know last episode at the beginning they were like all right let's kill her she was momoka's best friend and now she's dead and they immediately just grab her it's like what so arisu coming in yeah like you were saying his first words have got to be real well put Otherwise, everyone's just going to be like, you're the fucking witch. Yeah, he's just going to die before he gets a chance to explain himself. Like we discussed earlier, Agony just kicks the shit out of him. <laughs> the first time. Yeah, the first time, at least. Dude, a nice little slow walk towards him. Pistol whip. <laughs> just pistol whip right to the face. I was like, oh, my gosh. This, this is a great interaction because Arisu starts psychoanalyzing Agony based on just how he's reacting to 
you know, Arisu trying to unite the beach to finish the game. And he is Agony sitting there with the same eyes that Arisu had in episode three. And that's helping Arisu put together that Agony was the direct catalyst for Hatter dying. And then when this starts happening, you know, now he's just starting to lose his shit a little bit. And I just like that Arisu can connect with him and relate to him almost better than anybody. And we made the the comment last episode that we thought the the shot of him looking into the fire was really cool. And at the time, I just thought it was a nice directorial choice. Mm-hmm. He's feeling emotional. And then the fact that the look in his eye plays such an important plot point in the form of Arisu using it as the information to kind of psychoanalyze him and convince everyone he's not the witch and kind of push Agony to the conclusions that he comes to kind of at the end of the episode about himself was very nice. <laughs> very nice. And it was ridiculously smart to accuse him of being the witch first. Like I was just going to say, so Usagi at this point is defending Arisu and just points at Agony is like, you're clearly the witch. If you're telling all these people to murder people, it's got to be you. So everyone acts shocked and Agony embraces his role as the witch with guns being pointed at him. He's like, I'm the fucking witch. Just fucking kill me. Mm-hmm. And that's when Luke, like Luke said, Arisu says he's not the witch. He has another motive. And that motive was killing the Hatter. And we already kind of talked about this a little bit. His eyes. It's all about the eyes. They could tell. Arisu could tell that just looking at him that he had killed one of his friends and that he determines that him and the Hatter were actually best friends. Um, so there was never any conflict between the militants or Hatter. It was just Agony holding back essentially Naragi and Last Boss so they wouldn't go on rampages. He was just helping his best friend and he wanted to stop the Hatter in his crazy ways because he wanted his friend back. I thought this was, once they said it, felt like, oh my God, obviously. Because when Arisu was like, they had all the guns, how could they not have taken over everything at the beach? Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I was like, damn, what a great point. <laughs> it just was seemed like they did a good job of that information was available the entire time. And it took Arisu saying it out loud for me to be like, oh shit, I didn't think of that. But it, was, it makes so much sense. It was the same thing for me. Like, I didn't think anything of it either. I was like, oh, that's just the group of people with guns. And it's just, okay, well, they easily could have just destroyed everybody. And this is the first of many scenes where it's just Chishia reaction scene. And it's so hard to fucking know what the hell he's thinking. Yeah. But he kind of nods his head a little bit. So like, it seemed like he knew that that was obviously what was going on as well. Uh, I remember last episode, Kyle, I asked you if you thought Aguni seemed guilty, you know, for trying to get everybody to kill each other. And Kyle, he's saying now he's the witch. At this point, did you think he was the witch when Usagi accused him of being the witch? I would say no, because I was still holding on to well that. (laughs) (laughs) But weren't thinking ahead too much. Was still holding on to my predictions. I wasn't going to let him go that easily and be like, oh, I'm wrong. You know, I was definitely going to sit there and be like, no, I'm definitely right. He's doing something weird. It also seems like the first time watching that was kind of the obvious guess almost. I mean, it's going to be one of the big people. Agony's like leader leading the witch hunt. A lot of people are like, oh, yeah, he's the witch. And then they say it like they accuse him right here. And he's saying yes. And you're like, oh, yeah, he got it right. And then Iris was like, no, yeah. he's lying. I caught him in the lie. This is what really happened. Yeah, it was an easy guess. Yeah, if you just pay attention to the first seven episodes of how willing this show is to sometimes subvert expectations, sometimes just take a crazy left turn that's unpredictable, it would have been way too unsatisfying to make Agony the witch or any of the militants for that matter. But I I just think it worked out. I just don't think you were as an audience member really supposed to think it was Agony that much at this moment. I will say that Dave made a good point last episode when he was talking about it. 
in that if I was just crushing episodes and not having you know a week or two and I have to take notes and formulate theories because you know we're doing the podcast maybe would have been like okay yeah he is the witch definitely but since I had all that time to think about it nah. and it's still it still kind of fits the heart scheme too if he is the witch because like I mean already you already shot that ideal down in episode seven towards the end but it still would kind of make sense in the fact that it creates look at this tension that it's created just by making it seem like he's the witch has already killed hundreds of people so mm-hmm. but we already know the games are a little deeper than that uh we got a quick flashback that we've already seen before of agony and hatter first arriving and founding the beach and here we get a little bit more detail into their conversation where what i have written is just agony was never a fan of the idea of the beach even when they first founded it he was like ah, i don't know about this this doesn't seem good and hatter like grabs him by the shoulder and he's like nah it'll work out you know and then we flash forward a little bit more when he is the king of the beach and he finds out that some of the players were hiding their cars from him. And this is where we really see the downfall of the Hatter in Agony's eyes. And we get that Ruru san, Urugiri mono no shio. <laughs> Got it mastered that time. Yeah, that was good. It's so good when he says it too, because he like voice kind of shakes a little bit. He seems like he's feeling a little fucking crazy. And this was the beginning for me of really noticing Agony's facial acting because mm-hmm. he obviously doesn't say a fucking word in the scene but he's just standing there or like any scenes really <laughs> oh <laughs> fuck like okay he's officially basically off the deep end his I- blank stare is so good and you think it's just because he's this emotionless killing machine but I, you start to like think that hey maybe he was just like oh my god I'm watching my friend just completely spiral into madness and there's nothing I can do about it and I have to act like a tough guy. And if we really want to get into it, it's literally the dude. So there's dead bodies all around them in, in the hotel room, but one of them like wakes up a little bit and the Hatter literally uses his hands to just beat him to death, which is just so gruesome. Well, I think he used his hands the whole time. Well, I think yeah, probably, but like physically seeing it on, like at least from the audience perspective of him doing it, it's like just makes it that much worse. And that's, and that's how he created the third rule. And that is crazy that he killed all of them by himself with just his bare hands. Yeah, that's what I was like, really? Because I'd never pegged him to be a physical type. Yeah. You know, I mean, Aguni is the bru- the, br- the the bruiser. I just had to. It, it makes it more satisfying to me when I link it back to Alice in Wonderland because the Mad Hatter has to be ridiculous, you know? And you think of Johnny Depp's portrayal or the character in the cartoon they are just off the fucking ledge crazy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're super nice and compassionate. Sometimes they are just psychopaths. Yeah. So it true. was good to see that because you didn't really get the super crazy vibes from Hatter up to this point. He was weird and eccentric, but never psycho mad Hatter level. I also thought that it was a nice surprise that we got to see when the third rule was created. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first two are kind of no brainers about what goes on in the beach kind of but the third rule now that i'm now that we know and we've seen it happen kind of reminds me of like that shit you see when it's a crazy sign like no human excrement allowed on the blacktop something like something had to happen for that sign to get there initially Mm -hmm. so it was cool to see the situation that put that rule into you know the actual rule book yeah it wasn't an original rule yeah exactly you couldn't have said absolutely no boogie boarding when i met your mother I wasn't thinking it. That's a better one. Tell me you don't feel for Agony in this moment. So much. This is I wrote I was getting choked up here. Like this is the first moment where I started being emotional about this. This is where I'm team Agony. And the other note I have here is just 
manga in general just does a great job of making you hate characters and then ending up loving them like specifically in one piece uh the of uh, doflamingo's guy the baby where like he's wearing oh, oh. no no, no. frankie fights uncle punkers punkers oh, baby pink senior pink baby it's senior pink because baby five's the girl but anyway yeah. oh we got senior pink was on the last chapter cover so the yeah, senior pink is this guy he wears a baby outfit everyone in the one piece world makes fun of him they're like oh why does this even the audience is like why the fuck is this dude dressed as a baby and then you get the backstory and it's like, fuck, now I actually like this character. Like, I just think manga just does a really good jo- job of that. And that's what I felt in this moment for Agony is I hated this man so much. We got one little backstory and now I'm, f- I'm just emotional. Nobody acts a certain way just just because in, even, in manga. And even in Naragi, we get that in Naragi's case, too. Yeah, I wanted to say I thought how this backstory, like in the other backstories, it kind of showed, obviously, like we just said, it shows why they're acting the certain way they are inside the world, right? But I thought this one was unique because this was a way for Hatter and Aguni to reestablish themselves. They didn't reinvent themselves. They were like out of the beach. They had no longer, were not, well, the Hatter was no longer the owner of the beach when he came in. He was running the hat store. But he no, returned- I think he still was. I think he still was the owner. Like that was just something. No, inside. I think no. Alki's right. Oh, no. really? Okay. Right? No, yeah. I think I'm right. He did the beach before the hat club. The beach closed, and he was saying like, "Oh, I wish we were still oh. uh, still in the glory." Yeah. Thinking about the glory oh. days. Gets to the the world, and he's like, "I'm gonna make this the beach." So it was like his chance for redemption. Yes. Agony was no longer a cop. He was the security guard at the hat store. He's gonna be the head of the military. This was like their re they like reestablished themselves. They reinserted themselves into their own their comfortable roles. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? What so, they excel at, what they which, love, which yeah. they were great at. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They returned to former glory is what i wrote and that was that was something that unlike all the other flashbacks where people reinvented themselves in this world Mm. assumed a new identity they assumed old ones ah great analysis i love that alki holy shit i do want to again just say the hat every time i see the hatter with his glasses kind of a little bit down and his freaking hawaiian shirt just opened up i love his outfit and I hope that's exactly how he looks in the manga because he, the actor kills it and he looks like such a cool character. But anyway, so we have the death to traitors rule being created and we get a quick flashback. We already talked about this where Agony is, it's starting to be emotional and he starts beating the shit out of Arisu again, as per usual for this episode. Now we're back into the beach that Alki was just talking about. And this is when they have it start to have a deep conversation about the meaning of the beach and if it's necessary anymore at this point, because this is after Agony or sorry, after Hatter finished his game. So he is still keeping with that hundred percent quote. I know Paul, you hate that, but I think we talked about that at a, in a different podcast episode. I think he just dominates every single car, every single game he's been in. So that gets to stay. His reputation doesn't get tarnished by that. Now Agony's there. He was the shadow we talked about from at the end of last episode. And they're going to have this conversation about just deconstructing the beach. The tensions are getting too high. Agni's raising the concern, saying Naragi's going crazy. He's going to blow up and start murdering people at any point. But Hatter still focuses on the idea that the cards have a purpose. They both know that it doesn't mean anything if you collect all the cards. But the idea of hope and, and going towards a common goal is what unites everybody. That's just what you get in a lot of these kind of post-apocalyptic storylines you need something to unite everybody and keep the characters together so honestly 
I, I I'm with Hatter on this. That's so funny that you say that because I was just about to say the exact opposite. <laughs> You're like in this scene, the words that come out of Hatter's mouth, yeah, they're more optimistic, and mm-hmm. it's like yes, but the way it happens and the way his character is at that time, he seems like the bad guy kind of, and Agony seems more compassionate and is talking about you know I don't know why just like the way he was acting and the the way he's saying it more than the words he's saying made me empathize with Agony more in the scene you're seeing actual Agony not military faction Agony you're seeing who he really is because I actually had a question I when I first watched I thought that that was Hatter's game they were in Hatter's game but I realized I heard the congratulations Mm -hmm. and I was like oh it's over so that was a meeting they must have had scheduled meetings after every time Hatter had a game, they met to talk because it would be like the only time Hatter was by himself. That must have been like a meeting or something. It was the only time they could confront each other and talk as their regular people, like as regular friends or, you know, and, and talk about how their plan is to, you know, make sure the military f- faction is chill. Hatter's running the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what they're talking about. And Agni's like, yo, I can't do this anymore. Hatter's still in his role. He can't, you know, snap out of it. Agony was definitely not there to kill him. No, Agony was not there to kill him. Exactly. Yeah. I actually wanted to point out, kind of touch on the point that he's that I just mentioned before this before this part of the flashback about how they're reestablishing themselves. Hatter says this place looks exactly the same as before, you know, and if it was closed, this is just like touching on the theory shit we talked about in last episodes. And if this place was closed before he got transported he was running the hat store wouldn't the beach be like shut down wouldn't there be like boards wouldn't it be all like broken windows and stuff why does it look just like it did when he was the boss you know i thought that was just an interesting thing that Mm -hmm. maybe i'm picking up completely nothing it's wild how differently we interpret like these scenes and then we talked it out you're like oh wait that's actually how it is so i'm just (laughs) glad that we did yeah and i didn't even get it that it was like after his game till my second watch i I didn't even literally just learned that yeah right now it's like like, congratulations i'm like oh why is agony in this game did they meet to do the game i was like did he trap him in the game to kill him you know but it made a lot more sense i'll throw another stick on that fire and say was the game at the beach or do you think the beach was their meeting place i think the beach was their meeting place because they rolled up in cars yeah Okay. I think the beach was their meeting. Because I was like, his fucking last game that he played happened to be at the beach. Right. And then he dies at the beach. And I was like, damn, that's kind of poetic. I kind of fuck with that. <laughs> I think it was their meeting like uh, arrangement. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah. So the last thing that we do have in the beach, this is post Hatter's game. We're having this confrontation, this talk. You can tell that they're going to disagree. They're going to, they're butting heads. And it doesn't seem like Agony's going to give. He seems to be completely done with the beach. And then this is when Hatter goes full Mad Hatter and pulls the gun out on him, calls him Murichan. I love that. Yeah, yeah. that must be his real, that's yeah, his yeah, real yeah, name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And he's pointing it at Agony and telling him, you know, you're with me or you're against me. Death to the traitors. And Agony is sitting there like, what the fuck is he doing? And Hatter touches the trigger and Agony's all of his military senses kick in. He dodges instantly, whips out his gun and shoots Hatter right in the heart. And then that sits in for a second. He's sitting there completely just mind blown that this just happened. And then the saddest thing ever occurs when he gets up and, and investigates what just happened. And he finds that there were no bullets in Hatter's gun. He was never going to hurt his friend. I have chills. And dude, I was so fucking just not ready for it. When I, when I sat down to watch, even for the second time, I know it's been like six months since I seen it, but man, that hit me. 
I don't get why he pointed an empty gun at him. He's crazy. Well, I think he's bro. crazy. I think was, was he just point. saying I'm so invisible? Was it like a secret cry for help? Like, kill me because so, I'm going to kill myself. So eventually, anyway, I'm going to say that's the traitors. Me and Luke actually with an empty gun. Me and Luke know. actually a couple of weeks ago had a conversation about this because I took it as he if there were bullets in that gun, like he would have done it. But Luke, I think, was more on the side. He was never really going to plan on like killing Agony. It's just him crazy. Like he's just carrying around this basically just a, a prop to just intimidate people. But I was we were trying to figure out like how to take it. At this point, it's like he's he's stuck in his character. He's stuck in this role that he puts on for these people. And, you know, like Agony's saying, he's losing his friend. For the gun, I think it was like same thing. He's still stuck in his role, but he's kind of intimidating Agony trying to say, hey, like, come on, bro, be on my side, your last chance. But if you're against me, then like this is where we split up. But he's an idiot because obviously... Agony has reflexes, and you shouldn't do that. Never point a gun at somebody that you don't want to shoot. If I'm honest, when he opened the gun and there was no bullets in it, I had no idea what was going on. Because I was like, <laughs> that is, like, what the fuck was he possibly thinking? It's not like he points the gun at him. Like, he, he clicked it. Pulls the trigger. Yeah, yeah. he clicked I don't know what would possibly make him think that would be... And I wonder if Agony anything smart to do. Like what, even what if Agony didn't react, I wonder what the reaction would have been after if he just like pulled the trigger, no bullets came out. Like I wonder what Agony would have responded. Probably I mean, would like have pistol whipped his ass. Yeah, just maybe like testing the pessimism that he just said. If Agony was really feeling that way, like we don't need hope. I'll just kill you now because you obviously are done with or this. Or if like you're a tra- if you're not a traitor, you'll let me just point this gun at your face because you're totally submissive to me. But I was trying to think of some intellectual reason why he had an empty gun on his waist. But I think Paul might be right that he was just completely in character because he yeah. couldn't even be him true self. His mm-hmm. true self when he was talking to Agony is the only guy who really knows him for who he is. And if that's the case, man, that's lame, I think. I think that's like the one lame thing of the show If that if he really did that. That's uh, all I have to say. See, w- so you're saying it's lame that he would have that he was stuck in character, or lame that he would have yeah, even been like willing he to die sh- that he pointed an empty gun. It's just like such a. I thought, and then now that we're talking about it, I'm just what he they could have just had a bullet and had a terrible shot and missed Agony and then just shot. Him no, that see, that's why yeah. I completely disagree because I don't think even one percent of Hatter was willing to kill Agony like that. Yeah, he's saying death to traitors and and trying to you know hammer this back home. Say yo, bro. We got to do this together. We came here together. We're running this world together and we're thriving almost, you could say. And he's happy with his role again because he's at the former glory of running the beach again. So I think he's just trying to get him back in line. And it's like one of those things, you know, you know, you've seen it in animes or even TV shows where someone has a gun to that to a character and they click and it's just a fake like bang, you know, literally Falcon and the Winter Soldier literally happens in there. They just fake. It's a fake out. Yeah, it's a gun. It's a real gun, but it's not loaded. And also another point against Hatter, you know, knowing that there was no bullets in there is the whole point of the split between Agony and Hatter owning the beach was the military controls all the ammunition and all the bullets. Mm. There would have been no way for Hatter to have the bullets. Unless he just is the exception to the rule. Sure. But Yeah. yeah. If yeah. the Hatter's gun had bullets and Agony killed him, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have felt nearly as bad for. And I don't think Agony, Agony yes. and Agony wouldn't have felt as bad either. Like no, the that, transition at that moment is him true. screaming, holding Hatter's body, to him screaming in the present, fighting fu- fucking Adisu. ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I guess that's, that's a good. That's a good point. Then he wouldn't have been the 
the aftermath would not have been as impactful yeah. if they had a bullet. And devastating that he just killed his friend for no reason. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So back to the present, Adisu continues to talk to Agony, saying he understands his pain of having killed his friends, even though Adisu really didn't kill his friends in the first place. But and he, he does say, sorry to interrupt you, a quick quote. He says, Adisu says to him, you wanted to kill everyone because they drove your friend crazy. And that's a direct link to Alice in Wonderland, you know, driving the Mad Hatter crazy. And I'll continue off that quote with my, this other quote, wanted to kill everyone, or like Luke said, wanted to kill everyone at the beach. And then he says, or Adisu says, your broken feelings, the game master made good use of them. This is a hearts game. Just to emphasize the fact that you are just a victim. You are literally in my position five episodes ago, you know, getting that common ground. And he goes on saying he knows the real identity of a witch. And then another quote. I'm sorry. I just have so many quotes here. I just thought they were all relevant. You can always see the game master's characteristics in a game. In a hearts game, it makes a fool out of everyone. There really was a way to end the game without killing anyone. A solution where no one dies. And then he points to Momoka. Now, to the Rook. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on that reveal right there? That was an amazing twist. Mm -hmm. I think it was something that literally never crossed my mind. But makes they explain it very well. Don't feel like there's any holes in it. It's just the absolute perfect mixed direction, misdirection rather, and twist to an incredibly important plot point. You look like the blinking white guy meme watching it live. Yeah. Did you, were you watching me watch it? <laughs> yeah. That's smart. That's I, smart. I was like trying to watch you watch it, but not make it too obvious because I didn't want like yeah. to say that a huge fucking twist was coming. <laughs> that's a that's a vet move right there. <laughs> makes uh, you feel dumb you didn't figure it out. That's not accurate. Okay. Or <laughs> I'm just oh, saying. It makes so much sense that I'm like, oh, you know. And it also like really draws your attention away from it from being Momoko. Like when the game is first played out, the Siri voice literally says the witch is not just able to be a woman. Like it's it could be a guy or a girl. So it really makes you think like, okay, emphasized it not being a woman. Mm-hmm. Who is the guy then? And that's when you kind of think of Agony and all those other people. And then it's like, why don't we ever fucking think to just throw this woman's body in the it's fire? Already anyway? a dead body. Just, yeah, do, just it. do it. Yeah. Uh, I will say too that the when Arisu says the quote, if I were the game master, I would have come up with this idea. And then another, we get another classic Chishia face reaction shot. And to me, I want to say that he didn't know. I was literally, that's, that's my question right here. I have here, a question is, do we too. Know? I have a question. Do we did you guys, do you I want to say that knew? he did not know. No, that, that's know. been a common theme is Chasia is always in the know. He knows everything you can know at the at, around the beach, basically. And when it comes to games, he's always so confident and sitting there and waiting for the last minute. But I brought it up last episode or last podcast, he would have died in the tag game, even though he was acting all confident. He knew where the button was in this. I would say the same thing about this game. He didn't know the solution and he's just confident going off the point of he would have died in the tag game and that he would have died in this game because he would not have had the ability to kind of galvanize the troops and like hit that emotional button that needed to be hit to get them to finally put Momo into the fucking fire. And he's not that person that can stand in front of a crowd and, you know, pull on people's heartstrings and get them to come behind him. He's someone that's just like, he would just say it's, it's her. And if people question me, be like, well, you guys are just fucking stupid. Like it's her. I remember last episode too. You had, we had asked you, who do you think the witch is? And you were like, I really hope it's not Shashia. Like it could be, but I really hope not. So it was good knowing that it wasn't him. 
Yeah. Oh my god. I think he honestly, if it was him, he is so fucking safe. I feel like if they made him the witch, I don't think anyone's figuring that. I have an interesting comment about him that we'll talk about at the end. Okay. About how I still don't fully trust him. Oh, you shouldn't. It's a similar feeling of like when I thought he could be the witch. And then I had the emotional, Mm -hmm. I don't want him to be the witch. So I went away from that idea. It's somewhat similar to another thing, but we'll get there. So to take us back to Momo specifically being the witch the entire time, Kyle, you were were talking some mad shit on Anne last episode and having no way of using her forensics to be able to tell that the knife was anybody. You know, I think you even said like it had to be an alien forensic, whatever. But it makes sense now, right? Because it was the reverse blade being herself stabbing it in right yeah well of course i mean i just don't like ann slander that's what i'm saying well yeah I, <laughs> that's i uh, respect that but yeah, that's my wife in the bank he'll marry dude i love the camera shots in this in this scene a little bit before the flashback and right now like when they're trying when they're pointing fingers they're doing all these different camera shots at agony but in the back in the foreground in the background is often acai, acai, yeah. acai right so you know, I didn't notice that. Obviously, my first watch, but my second watch, I noticed it because she is with Momoka, like a duo, and they're both, we find out, Working special. For the games. You know what I'm saying? So I like how the producers were, the director, whatever, was really trying to like hint at the audience that she's involved. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And they also did that with other, in other ways too that we will, that I will touch on later. Yeah, I just cool. thought it was cool. We did kind of jump a little bit. I just wanted to make the comment that. When like the scream transition between the flashback and Agony coming back to real life, it's interesting how he says basically proves Adisu right, but then still holds on to the idea that he's the witch because he just wants to fucking them to kill him because he says like you guys all made him go crazy like this is why I'm doing this yeah but I'm still the witch by the way and that was actually when you do get the quick flashback to see that the bullets were out in the gun that's the only part of the flashback I said prematurely but. I was ready to start crying at that point. That was so sad. Yeah, it's so I literally after in that flashback, my note is Agony is an amazing character. Amazing. Yeah, he's really complicated. Did any of you guys on the first watch through realize that Mira Abs Banks was not there? Nope. No, I was definitely just way more focused on number two because I thought he was the witch. So I'm looking every scene for him. I did not. So that just put her out of my mind completely. Although, which is funny because now that you're saying this and I said last episode, she's like the queen of hearts and she wasn't even a part of it. And I didn't notice. So that's I'm a rookie. I I genuinely think she could be the queen of hearts, though. I agree. She could be. And I I brought it up before, but I I have just a memory of reading something on Reddit saying that a different character was going to be the queen of hearts. When you said like the way she was like, Oh, there's ways to win heart games. You just have to betray your friends and have fodder come with you, kill them. And you were like, yeah, she's all about the hearts game. I was like, that's fucking genius, Mm -hmm. dude. Yeah. I have another, I have a question for you, Kyle too. Did you before this episode and once we get, I guess I'm kind of jumping to, but we know Momoka and her, her friend, I keep messing up her name. They were involved and they were special. They were dealers in leading up to this episode. Did they did your eye catch them at any points? Because they were having a chat when Arisu found the dead bodies. And also they were the ones that were eyeing down Arisu and Usagi by the pool, right? By the pool. Yeah, yeah. So they like showed them, but we didn't really know what their role was at all until pretty much episode seven and eight. Eight, no, really. I, I definitely caught the before the, the dumpster scene when he sees the bodies. 
my first thought or my only thought rather of that scene where we see the two of them is that he just thought they were hitting on him or did he just they just thought that he was hitting on them and ran away and that just made me laugh i didn't think anything <laughs> deeper than that i was like haha because he said hello to him right yeah and they yeah, kind of yeah. run away and he's like no classic they got me with it yeah, yeah i was curious what you thought back to asahi she steps up and tells arisu that we got to burn Momo if we're going to end this game. And this is when they're having their own private conversation because Agni is out there fucking everybody up. Everyone's tackling him. He's still he's, kicking the shit out of all of them. He's still claiming to be the witch. He's not letting, all, yeah. he's not letting go of that uh, notion. And she says, I know a way to get his attention, to get everybody's attention. And this moment, tell me this was not the craziest fucking thing. She's like, I'm going to get everybody's attention. You guys go to the fire. She just steps up on the dealer of this game. And you just see like an outward shot of the laser coming Ooh. down, just destroying her. Yeah. And then also at this moment, it flashes back up to Chasia again. And he's watching this whole thing like, oh, it was extra like, long. His, yes. his eyes kind of like you never see him show any emotion. His eyes widened a little bit. Yeah, it was longer than I'm because this is why I made a point to talk about the other two, because this one was pretty much double almost triple the length of that mm-hmm. of the other reaction ones but i will say that fucking water rising his look was so <laughs> funny he was just so like devastated and upset it was just so funny i, I thought him. that moment was great they it really first of all they kind of like froze the camera like everything froze in the show mm-hmm. the world froze for a second it felt like you know i was like oh shit it kind of put it made everything feel so it changed everything about how I thought about the game on my first watch. Was, Dude, it answers like, so many questions. Like, oh, wait, like who else is, you know, because we knew about the taggers and their dealers. Mm-hmm. There could have been dealers in every single there probably were dealers in like mostly every single game that they were ever in and that there ever has been. And they're just like normal people trying to survive, too. It's pretty cool. Anyway, I just, also I think that she just acted it really well. Kyle, you have said over multiple episodes who the hell puts these tables yes. here and these phones? The dealers. Yeah. God, I, that was probably so satisfying. In this moment, I was not thinking that deep into it. Well, I guess as deep as it gets. But yeah, I was like, thank you. Like, <laughs> finally, I, I also, side note, love that they're called dealers. Mm. But I didn't really think it was going to be someone that was just like around hanging out. I thought they would just be completely separate from the players. Mm. So I thought that was a nice touch, too. But yeah, dude. Just like Cleans weight so off much. my shoulders. Cleans up <laughs> so many plot holes. Like what we were saying, everyone is shocked. Uh, no one knows how to take this info with Asai just letting out that information. People are just questioning everything. I thought it was crazy that we got the video of Momo killing herself like that. I just don't know if I could have done that. Hell she man. has a lot of emotional torment because of being a dealer, but she just stabs herself in the heart with a chef's knife. Do you That's think, a big knife. Do you think that it was they asked her to do that or she was in agony and she killed herself and then they were like, we're going to make a game out of this real quick. I think that's what it was. That's how I took it, to be honest. The was second that, option? Yeah, that she was just just based off the video with how like the, it, the video of them that we see later ends with them like hugging, saying, don't worry, we'll get like. We'll this is be a dream. For, it's a yeah, dream. We'll, we're going to wake up. This exactly. Is so I kind of just thought it was her doing it on purpose but it could have been the game but i doubt she would kill herself for a game it was like either kill yourself or else asahi will die maybe mm-hmm. I don't it know. could be that too yeah yeah, yeah I, I i think it's an interesting thought to kind of discuss that aspect of it of how opportunistic 
it was that the game started during all the turmoil with the Hatter and the executives. I mean, Chisia says it at the end that he has the whole deck. So the Ten of Hearts was the last card, theoretically. Mm -hmm. So that for me was like the Ten of Hearts trigger condition was that the all the other cards have, you know, had been obtained. Yeah. And it just seems suspicious that like the, all the executive turmoil would happen at the same time that Momo would then kill herself right after everyone Ag has Agony gotten the entire deck. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, I, it seems more planned out than everything's that big of a coincidence. Yeah, well, now that we know that Mira's there and we know that she's the whatever you want to call her, she's a, a game master. She definitely waited for the right moment to strike, whether it was... I think it's more planned too than her just killing herself and her thinking, okay, this is it. I'm going to start this game. But she obviously knew everything that was going on the whole time. I'm just going to shit on my boy real quick. Uh, Tata, or AKA Paul's nemesis, AKA water rising. <laughs> so she kills herself. She says she reveals she's a dealer and everybody's like, wait, what's going on? This old guy's like, she said she was a dealer. So she was just toying with all of us. And this fucking guy, this dumb hack stands up and says, but she's human, just like the rest of us. I know, what dude. the fuck does that have to do with anything? Just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> he was a big aliens guy. Good, dude. He was. <laughs> Good. Good. He's just fucking crazy. I He's a flatter. I was watching it now for the second time. And uh, like I watched it a couple times the last episode to take notes. And I was thinking that every time I was like, Paul is at home clutching his fist, <laughs> water rising, stating the complete obvious. And I was like getting pissed because I'm thinking Paul's getting pissed. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck this guy. I never really hated him like how you did. I was thinking, I was actually like, oh, this guy's a normal dude just trying to survive. It turns out he's a little pussy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He has a really funny scene coming up like immediately right here, too, because they get to whatever people, the questions start flying, which is naturally what everyone would do in that situation. And then Arisu takes the opportunity that Momo, or I'm sorry, Asahi has given them to plead with Agony to stop the violence. Amazing monologue that Arisu whips out right here. The, the one quote that I did write down was, because he says a lot of things, but just the fact that he says, we're still alive, we're all facing despair head on and fighting until the very end. Don't look down on those who are still alive. Mm -hmm. And fuck yeah, let's get it. But it's so funny that they give fucking Water Rising like a quick shot and he's like, <laughs> He's like about to cry. He has this little look on his face. And I just like double bird at the screen. Like, fuck this guy. And just double whimpered. That's, I just watched it. That's the scene or that's the dialogue that gets Agony, Agony to chill out for a second. And then this is where we get enter Niragi for yeah, the second if time. You, if you think that just based on how the events are playing out right now, you think, ah, oh, maybe there's like 10 seconds left. Touch the mouse pad a little bit. Ah, this is only like a quarter of the way in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yo, for real. What's going to happen? Honest, they get to the end of the beach shit burning down. Hmm. And I was like, oh, man, what a season, you know? <laughs> like, that's crazy, bro. <laughs> I mean, there was 24 minutes. I was like, what the fuck? But hey, are you happy weird. that this happened? Because one of the comments you had when Naragi fell off the roof was you thought he got out too easily. Yeah. yeah. I don't like the way it happened. Really? I, I think my comment on it is that it probably looked amazing drawn in black and white in the manga, but I think it's one of those scenes that just didn't translate as well. The vibe shift was okay, where it was like we're super emotional and Arisu gives the speech, but then there's still danger around. Oh, the fire. And then he kind of walks through and he's still alive. And Says he's got that his, hurt. <laughs> his shirt around his head and stuff. It just felt like, obviously, it's fiction and it's fake. That felt super fake and forced. Yeah, me. I more agree. Than, like, more than intense. I thought it looked, I thought he looked stupid. Uh, I did not like it that much the first watch through. I thought 
it was cool because you know these people they just went through all this now they're trapped between a fire and a crazy guy with the with a gun the second watch through for some reason i don't know why maybe it's because i knew it was coming i think it's because the agony scene I was literally just was so fucking that. hype if you want to walk through it man because well i was gonna so say my good. comment was that like because i was as we were talking i was like yeah what's the point of bringing fucking niragi back at this point in time blah 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 but then you think this is agony's redemption in this very moment right here so to break it down a little bit, Usagi at first makes a run at Niragi, and she and Arisu attempt to take him down to no avail. Gets which yeeted. was cool, I thought, because you see her perspective, and she's running around, and she just jumps she right a nice C-cut, a nice C-angle. I liked him. it. Yeah. I liked, it That part looked good, without a doubt. And as he's about to shoot them after he ta- yeets them both, <laughs> Agony just comes running in and just fucking takes those bullets, tackles Niragi into the shadow realm, basically. Yeah. And we can only assume Bettis. we can only assume they both die in that moment because you just kind of hear some gunshots and well, more fire. But. Not only did he run and take him out, he got four bullets running through him all at the same time, and he did not stop. Yeah, you see one go through his neck, you see two go through like each shoulder, and he just takes him out. He reminded me of in uh, Super Smash Brothers Brawl when Link or Mario, depending on who it is, is just charging at you because you took the his girl. It was exactly the same thing. It was just super hype, super scary if you're Naragi, and the angle is sweet. But this was just such a great way to close Agony's whole story of just the up and downs that he had is it's just so unbelievable. I mean, I was going to say no one had a story like him, but obviously Adisu does. But this just, like I said, it's that manga type stuff where you learn to hate these characters. You get a little glimpse of their backstory and it's like, fuck, I kind of like this guy now. Yeah. And I like they use the word that his story was unbelievable because, yeah, when you first meet him, you have no idea what's going to come yeah. down the pipe. And it's so unbelievable looking back. But it's also he feels so believable. He feels like one of the most human people in the show. He doesn't feel like this amazingly exaggerated character. I mean, yeah, he takes a bunch of bullets at the end, but he feels the most almost realistic or like the person that you're like the closest to out of anyone else. I completely agree with that, honestly. I thought it was nice how Aguni had a redemption, but I agree. I thought Niragi was kind of lame and I was confused. Obviously, he had the thing on his head. He like stopped the burns, I guess. Yeah, and he stopped the, the bleeding. I thought that the makeup it didn't look good. Like his burns looked like they had been there for a week and kind of healed. Healed, yeah. They they should have been bloody. You know what I mean? And we talked in other episodes how they did a good job of showing sweat and stuff like that. I think they kind of did that part a little dirty, but it's whatever. One little blemish. Plus he was a piece of shit, so who cares? I'm glad you brought that up because the it felt super nitpicky. I thought the same exact thing. Small, small speed bump in an amazing yeah, episode. Yeah. All right. So to take us through the next couple of things here, after Agony makes the sacrifice, Arisu finds the recording from the twins or the twins, Asahi and Momo. I've been calling her Momo, but I guess we switched that up this episode too. Uh, so they burn Momo's body. Congratulations. Game cleared. And now we have a voiceover. I think it's from Last Boss. I think I wrote that down. I think it it's is. Last no, Boss. It, it, is it, last, is. it is Last So boss. you see him in the club. He's given out the speech that I think like he, he's poem, dying. I think he already said this. He might have already said this. He but... did. It's his article. Yeah. That he was writing. Okay, yeah, sure. So very poetic. So, yeah. so he's just happy to be free. He's dying in the world that he lived in, that he was born to be in. So 
we're flashing forward a little bit and we have the scene Kyle brought up where they're all across the water looking at the beach burned Great down episode, to the ground. guys. Let's chalk it up. <laughs> uh, so they're looking from across the water. You see Paul's arch enemy being the biggest pussy crying openly. <laughs> and then we it. have Usagi trying to fuck up the militants, but they all hate themselves already. So Arisu is willing to just say, let them live in their own guilt. And that's when Arisu finally collapses from all the damage that he's been taking over the last three episodes into her arm. And that's a moment. We'll get back to that in one second. And then to end this night, quote unquote, it goes back into the beach as it's burning down and collapsing. And of course, you have Chasia Steel in the scene with Kuina there. He walks up to the table, grabs the Ten of Hearts, has the full deck. And then he tells Kuina that he still thinks it means something having the full deck. And it might. So he says he has everything but the face cards. And then he says, I wonder what the management of the game wants us to see. End of the night. Wagata Arisu. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, bro. You, yeah. you should have made out right there. Come on. I do. I know. Yes. All caps I have in my notes. Falls forward into Asagi's arms, but they don't kiss. Next bullet. Erroneous. Absolutely <laughs> erroneous on all counts. What are they fucking he's, doing? His face is so bloody, man. He's Bro. disgusting. He yeah. Arisu is disgusting. Look at off him. What got that Arisu? <laughs> That's actually <laughs> not bad. When he was tied up, he had like all that sweat and spit in his mouth. He yeah. would not. Usagi cannot. That can't be their first kiss. Wagata. Also, respect to the guy, one of the militants yep. who was going to kill himself because he was like, "I'm a total piece of shit. Mm-hmm. I deserve to die." Tried to shoot himself, basically hardcore modern style, and. The gun either was not loaded or malfunctioned, which was his sign to live. Mm-hmm. That being said, I hope he is in season two and he kind of has like a bigger role because that would Ooh. be really cool about the gun malfunctioning, causing this butterfly effect where he like saves Usagi later or something. I like that thought a lot. Do you guys think last boss is dead? Yes, yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. That monologue just proved, if anything, that he's dead. I'm sad about it, but yeah. Well, anyway, just, back to to see it. Yeah, Let's talk about that. That's all the cards. I just I wrote down that quote as well. I wonder what the management of this game wants us to see. What does that mean? I, there's just so many angles you could take that, and I just think Chisia has such a deeper understanding than most people of the games. Even Adisu, like he is the most close to figuring out who the game master is. Mm-hmm. Besides Adis. I would say the angle that I took it was that he knows that he only sees what they want him to see. They've been led. Like, along. I'm going to give him a show or something like that. Is that well, what I just think saying? that like everything, everything that has happened to them has been like perfectly calculated, essentially. Mm-hmm. For him now, especially, I would say after the Momo stuff he and the Ten of Hearts yeah. game, they were trying to show them one thing which wasn't Momo. So now it's okay, we have the full deck. Well, all this shit, like I wonder what they're trying to put in front of us now. Like how are they trying to trick us now? And also that is not was not in the plan for sure. Was the members of the beach finding out that dealers are a thing yet? That was premature for sure. They did not want that to happen, which is why they kill Asahi right there on the spot. But even still, Chisia at that point still had a good understanding because he was like when he was talking to Naragi before he flamethrowers him, he's like, someone here specifically an executive did all, set all that up and he was on the money he knew no no because i brought this up in the in podcast when we were talking about it he was talking about the person that turned on the actual power grid for uh, the beach was the don't... witch i thought it was that originally what you're saying where the executive could have been a game master but they kind of talked me into it being the other to to okay. it being the witch that was setting up the the power grid so now we get arisagi 
uh, watching the recording of Momo and Asi that we saw at the beginning of the episode. However, there's a little bit more this time. And they're sitting underneath a bridge. Yeah. Romantically not kissing, of course. Sexy um, bridge. <laughs> this sexy is Paul, bridge. Paul's sexiest scene right here, them sitting underneath the bridge. That's a sexy bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Those uniforms. Okay. Um, so anyway, Asai in the video admits to setting up all these games. Her and Momo are forced to participate undercover in these games for management and are responsible for hundreds of players dying. And as they're talking about the games and how they set them up, we see them enter a subway uh, system, I guess, and they walk through some doors or like they walk down the uh, the hall a little bit. They walk through a door and then we see this control tower looking room and it's just a bunch of humans looking like they're betting on the events that are happening. And I wasn't expecting this m- personally from me. I didn't even know what I was going to expect, but this was so fucked up. I was just getting hungry game vibes. I've said it a million times, but just the fact that all these people are here just laughing. There are literally people dying on screen and people laughing, chucking up bills, just betting like, it. Yeah, it's that. just so despicable and just disgusting to watch. And we just get a little bit of another cut forward into the video of Asai and Momo just embracing each other. They literally can't take it anymore. They know they have to go every day to set these games up just to earn visas for themselves. And they're like, we don't even know if this is fucking worth it anymore. Like, like Luke said, it's all going to they kind of talk it out with each other. They're like, it's just a dream like this all and soon, which it does, honestly, and soon for them in a very upsetting way. But it's dark and sad, man. Like the fact that they have to kill people. It's just the visas, man. Just everyone's doing what they have to do to earn visas. And all it is is just vacation time. You're sacrificing human life for vacation days. Yeah, it's weird that they're betting their visa days. Did you guys catch that? Oh, is that what they're doing? She was like, yeah, I got 10 visas on this guy. Oh my god, that's I actually, did not pick that up. That's actually I think, wild. I, I heard the 10 visas thing, but I didn't I thought she just meant I was rewarded 10 visas because I was a successful game master. I mean, Wait, something. are you talking who said that? Somebody right, so random. Yeah, okay, Rando said it, not one of the girls. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. But that was also another question. So they said they earn visas by setting up the games. They don't. That's what the dealers have to do. The dealers have to set up the games in order to stay there. And we saw it too. Like they are just as human as us because they all like we all know they're dead, obviously. And that just proves that like even them, they themselves, like sure they might be on paper looking like they're having fun and enjoying this, but we don't know if they've just been doing this for so many years that it's just not common for them. But are you talking about the people in the, the people in the room, room, just the random like game? I think you're making betters. too many assumptions. I think they're all evil motherfuckers who are just one level of authority I mean, they got higher too. than the dealers. You think they're all just dealers? Everyone in that room is just a dealer. Well, yeah, I do. I, th- I thought that they were like above, like really high too, but then they were all dead. Yeah, I think that's so like I think, I think they dead. were just got transported to and they were given a role and they fe- they they adopted embraced the yeah. they embraced the personality yep. trait of being like that having that much control because they wouldn't why would they have died? Okay, so, I, I'm actually saying? buying that. I like that. That's you worded that way better than I was trying to say that. Yeah. That's so, so why I'm again completely theorizing here. Why I think they showed up and everybody was dead was they say that w- they being Momo and Nasi. Asai, yeah. we're saying we were found by these people and now we work for them. I assume she was they were talking about the people behind the monitors, the ones in the suits and ties. I was thinking higher than that. So these dealers kind of work for them and the, the suit and ties messed up because they got a dealer who admitted and told people that she was a dealer. So I, I thought as soon as Asai said I'm a dealer. She died. 
And then everybody who was in charge of her, all the suits behind the monitors, they died they too. I don't agree with that. I think there's a bunch of these stations yeah, that was all throughout Tokyo. There's multiple control rooms. I thought, is what I called it. Yeah, I thought Tokyo was so big that there were so a lot of these oh, and monitors. There's, and there's a letter over the control room. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> You're getting me hyped, bro. You're getting me hyped. <laughs> I thought there was a bunch of those monitors all over Tokyo. And example, like the beach, that wasn't the only 10 of hearts game going on. Probably there was probably a bunch of other 10 of hearts going on at the same time. That's another whole other thing. Do you think that? Well, I don't know, uh, because there's just a bunch of other people in Tokyo that survived that wasn't at the beach. Yeah, I mean, there are duplicate cards. But I, I wouldn't think, say a bunch of 10 other hearts, but I think like that same night there could have may as well been another 10 of hearts somewhere else in Tokyo, because no. then everybody gets the deck. You can't move on to the face cards unless, you know, you have a 10 of hearts unless the beach was the only people alive. No, nah, that's why I'm saying I think that I think the idea against that lends to the idea I had with the key where it's like there's going to be one winning deck once someone got all of the shit to the face cards, then we move on. It's going to be interesting to see if who else is alive besides Arisu, like who what players are also alive besides the people who survived right. the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's other players alive, then that makes more sense of what you're saying. I but, mean, there has to be, right? I don't think there has to be other players. I mean, it would make, I guess, the games less boring if there's no more additional characters added to the thing. But I mean, I don't know. That'll be interesting to see. I was just under the impression, okay, we, let's let's take us here because they're watching the video. They see Momo and all them see the dealers alive in the computer room. And then we have Usagi and Arisu using that recording to go down to the subway system to go into that room. And then when they get there, they see all the all the dealers dead. They have the um, lasers through their heads, and then the lights kick on, and Chasia and Queena are already there. So that's where we're at. So basically, what we're our podcast right now is split between saying is were all those dealers at least what I'm proposing is were all those dealers killed because the players in the game got every single non face card together in a deck or were they killed because they gave up the information were, of the dealers and that's like one of the dealer hives you can yeah, call them i'm just going to call them the suits the suits the guys behind the monitors yeah. are the ones who recruit the dealers and one of the people that they recruited blabbed and said i'm a dealer and, and revealed it and left the video like, yeah, I don't they know probably if, don't even know about i don't them. know if they knew but i'm just okay uh, so you're differentiating between the dealers and those people that were at the computer betting yes i think the people the suits were higher up than Asai and Momo. All right, let's keep talking about this after we cover what Mira says here because it can lend some more context. So when all four of our main characters, I'm going to call them the main characters, Arisu, Usagi, Kuina, and Chisia are in the room and they find out everyone's dead here. Chisia has no real information to add. He's a little thrown off, but he's also at the same time impressed and satisfied that these two characters got there without the map that he had from the tag scene. Fuck you, Kyle, for guessing that right. Because I kept calling it Harry Testicle. You're like, the only thing I could think of is it being a map, and not a testicle. I'm just like, you got that. You nailed it. <laughs> I was like, even still looking at it, it does not look like a subway map, like a map of a subway okay. at all. I didn't say I just said no, it no, was you, a map. You knew it was a map. I feel like so. giving you props, bro. Yeah, that's Speaking all it is. Speaking of the yeah. map they and camera angles, they showed when Arisu was going through the tunnels, they showed a shot of the subway map. And then they yeah. confirmed yeah, they did. that the yeah, notepad... Yeah, yeah. Of that, the note scratching the paper was a map of the subway lines, and I was like, "Cool." But there you go. That kind of speaks against what you're saying because the map, the subway system of Tokyo is 
I'm sure huge, but the map size of what they showed covered such a large distance that you can cross-reference that fact with the fact that there's no one gets confirmed that there's nothing going on outside of Tokyo, that it would be tough for there to be that many spots. Well, to rebuttal that, it had a hole right at the intersection of mm -hmm. one tunnel. I think that was that specific. Whatever. I agree with that. I think there could have been the same map, but a like say there was a different hole. That's a different Okay. Place. So Maybe. you think that the tagger from episode two was part of the same dealer group that Momo and I see I are from. So, uh, yeah, because she had the map that led yeah, to the yeah, same yeah. place. It's either that or there, there's not multiple highs because that's the map that Chasia uses to get to that high. Yeah. So those dealers yeah. are the same Chis high yeah, from yeah. that. Chishia yeah. uses the taggers to get there and Arisu and Usagi use Momo and Asahi get together. In the same place. Yeah. Two different dealer yeah. parties, same destination. And now I go back to what I asked four podcast episodes ago. Is every game set up to the point where every player can survive? Because we said no. I because said yes. you guys are yeah, you were on my side, but Luke was like, No, there's no way because then how do you explain the horse people? But now that explains the horse people. They're not they're not players, they're dealers. Yeah. I mean, so I, I every game so far we've seen has had a chance to have everyone live. How how episode three? How could they have lived? This is interesting. That's the question because Arisu says that the in tool. this episode, which we didn't talk about. Way. There was probably a way. But he says when he comes to the conclusion that like there is a way for them to win the Ten of Hearts game without mm -hmm. anyone dying, he thinks in his head, and they flash back to the scene, and he was saying like there was a way for all of us. It to had to have survived. been a tool. It must but have been. But they a didn't. Tool. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. didn't. Yeah, ever yeah. explain it why what it was but he did say that but so so i just think that's interesting that every game we've seen so far as dark and twisted as it's been everyone could have lived which is depressing as fuck to think like that, that actually might be part of the point i'm sure mira loves watching that that like technically there's a solution where everyone can die but human instinct and like basic human whatever forces you to turn against other people so you can survive and then real quick i just want to say my other thing before we keep going is that the control room had a letter over it i'm pretty sure it was like h c3 C3, so A1, A2, A3, you know, B1, B2, like how many other fucking towers are there? So that's just what I wanted to throw in for my two cents of uh, backing up Paul. I um, think I, like, I like the idea, but I don't know if we have time to care about that. It feels more quick. I think it could and, be like, addressed stakes more. go higher immediately if it, Luke is correct. And I think it could be addressed more in season two for sure. But at this point in time, it's just we're throwing up fucking Hail Marys. And it's also, I think what lends itself to Luke's point is that if we go to the casino at fucking Harris, there's some dudes dealing and yeah. But if you're playing the fucking final table at the World Series of Poker, that dude is a fucking professional. That guy has been dealing cards his entire life. So now that we're in the face card round, I'm sure the people that are the dealers and running that shit aren't just fucking yeah. two girls they picked up off the street mm. so that they can put a table somewhere. Yeah, I'm totally willing to say that I think through this conversation, I think that the dealers are under the suits, but I also think the suits are under Mira, which is kind of obvious. And we all agree with that. And, and I think all of the suits, quote unquote, their lifespan ended the second they got through phase one of this world, because now we just have the face cards and then I'm assuming end game, whatever the last thing is. Yeah, you know, you're the more I think about it, the more you could definitely be right. I mean, Mira could say to the suits, hey, your job is to create these games and make sure no one that these people lose. Give mm -hmm. them a chance. But like, you know, you're in charge of them. Make sure they lose. And if you fail because they got all the cards, like you guys are saying, mm -hmm. then, you know, you failed. You all get lasered. I completely think that's okay. where my head cannon is right now. And another part of it, too, is that the Ten of Hearts game 
all the dealers that were sitting in the subway, if this is the case and if, if the players win, they all die and they're sitting there betting on it and stuff. There was a chance that they could have still won and they almost did. There was like 10 minutes left and they would have kept continuing BAU wiped all the player base. They get to live their normal lives. So I think that game for them, like they're on the edge of their seat waiting for this thing to happen. They clear the level and then the lasers come down and finish the job. And now we're moving on to phase two. Yeah. I wonder if when it says on the screen, uh, when we're watching them all in the, the control room mm-hmm. and it pops up and says dealer wins. So if there's a game where everyone dies, we might even I talked about this earlier. Like what happens to the card that was just there? The dealer takes it back. Why not? Yeah. But I'm just thinking like, is there something where dealers like what is the dealer's end game? Like the players have an end game to complete the deck. Is the dealer's end game that every player in the world is dead? No, the dealers get visas for the player for helping successfully complete the game. So it's, it's just the dealers live. can't leave. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I don't think so. I think they're just trapped like the players. Yeah. They just have a better setup because they don't actually have to play the games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is the I mean, way some of them do taking it. Yeah, see, I don't that that confused me, especially in the second rewatch. The tag game, just I don't know if that was a dealer that messed up and that was our punishment. And like, hey, if you pass this tag, well, they game, say you... that the dealers participate in the game sometimes. So that just, I think that just is that. Yeah, it just seems weird to. It's gonna be wild when we find out to have. Yeah, like I, I. So moving on, I guess a little bit from the dealer talk to just some some good Tashia shit is when when he walks in mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, like as expected for someone I have high hopes for, mm-hmm. and it's just the two of them chilling there. And then when Mira's like, you know, you watched your friends die, girl burns alive, people's heads blow up, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then your reward is more games. And she's like doing all that whack shit. And she, she is like, don't hate it. Damn it. <laughs> What's crazy too is at least coming from like this being the season finale, she literally says the games will start tomorrow at noon. I'm just that's a fucking year for us, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like at least a year for us. So yeah. to clean up some of the things we skipped over here, Chasia says he has all the cards. He, and then he goes on to say they're they're theorizing quickly about the game master, and still he keeps it on the table that it could be aliens or God that is in charge of this, which me. which to <laughs> me, if that was the end end game, would be pretty dope. But it's probably just going to be like a single human, whatever. Then the lights kick on. Mira goes on there. She goes on her psycho little rant. Thought she did a fantastic job. I love her character. And she did a great job of being kind of like the Hatter a little bit. Yeah, she's just great. super centric. She's making fun of them. She's going for their pressure points. She's showing all their, their friends dying close up. You could see Arisu, this being reflected in Arisu's eyes. He's getting more and more hyped up. Main character vibes going a little bit. And then, uh, so she says, yeah, the prize is the face cards. Jasia says, I don't dislike that idea. So the epic music starts kicking in the background as the hype of the night starts to end. And then someone says to Arisu, I think it's Usagi, looks like we have to fight more. And Arisu says, yes, but the one thing is different. We're finally seeing our target. And that is just the best fucking moment because he's been talking about the game master this whole time. And now he knows he wants to kill Mira. Yeah. And that's funny, too, because that almost feels like a moment to call back what she has said, I wonder what management wants us to see. They're putting Mira in front of everyone in Arisu's head right there. Like she's the game master. Yes. Yeah. Even beforehand, before they get to see all the dead people, when they're watching the video, Arisu says, so they're the game masters. So he is so focused on like whoever is next is the game master. Yep. So I think that it's mm. going to be someone not like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to happen like that. Cause I, I was thinking, you know, if they died, those game masters that we found out are dealers. They're not the top. And that Wait, actually, are we talking about the suits? Yeah, the suits. Suits so, died. Okay. That confirms in my eyes a little bit that Mira's 
she can be taken down to get to a next to like the next boss. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, she's yeah, yeah. in this world. Like she could she could theoretically get lasered for breaking a rule. Maybe. I don't know. But I'm saying, you know, that that's she's going to go down. And then it's when we're probably going to see the big underlying umbrella of what's actually happening. So we'll eventually get to the yeah. last boss. <laughs> <laughs> like, last I, boss. I agree that she's not. I don't think she's going to be the main bad guy. But is it obvious? I guess it's not obvious. I think it. I think that because we've had conversations about, you know, what if she's truly the queen of hearts? Yeah. To me, I'm already I've now ruled that out that she's like number one head honcho. But she could be. She could be. Yeah, she could be. So before I guess we get into that discussion, we'll just hit the absolute final scene Mm -hmm. is we return to Shibuya. Right. Isn't that Shibuya Station Station. Uh, where everything kind of started for us now, except we have a different cast of characters. Uh, alongside Arisu, and we get these blimps as the fireworks are going. Oh, the fireworks are nice crazy fireworks throughout the whole city. The blimps come in, and they're all dragging these just canvases of face cards underneath them. And the music's going, and we're zooming out more and more, and we see that there's a blimp for every face card, and then that closes the curtains on season one. She says, we'll definitely find our answers there. And he goes, I'm really curious to see if there's other survivors. You know, I want to see. I want to meet who else is that deep. Like, who else is as good as Arisu and Chisia and we're in also, this world? We're also talking about Mira not being the last boss. And now I'm thinking, like, I wonder if she's in charge of, like, let's say she's the queen of hearts in the sense that, like, maybe she's in charge of all the hearts games. Like, she, we were talking about One Piece and how the Don Quixote family has uh, executives that represent each suit. Maybe she's the heart executive and maybe Mr. whoever two could still be on the board. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And maybe whoever number one Yo. is, is like in charge, yeah. like maybe not in charge of wits. making spade games, but like he would be a reference as like the spade guy. Like yeah. he would be the number one. He's the one. spade dealer. Cause yeah. now we're in the world series of poker. That's that, just what I'm thinking about right now. That, really uh, that cool. was, that was one of my notes is that Kyle's theory about, you know, number two, being the master behind all of it could be accurate. You know, we, we didn't see him at all. I mean, I would have prefer seen, Mira, but still possible. Still, we have seen shows where they've used that level of misdirection, where you are expecting this person, this head honcho, this leader who has actually been with us. The example that pops into my head immediately is from the hundred Lexa when she's in the prison cell with Kane. And you're like yeah, thinking yeah. about like, oh my God, who is Hedda? Like, who is the commander? And she's been there the whole time, just sitting in the prison cell. So I think it would be really interesting if the game master ends up being someone that we've known, maybe not the whole time, but, but a lot of the time. But doesn't that feel like what Mira's playing the role of? She was there the whole time as a player in the beach. But yeah, but I just don't think that she is. The, I okay. feel like she, she's the red herring of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She might be the red herring to Mr. Two is what you're saying. I possibly. with it. To go back to the last scene with those fireworks going off, do you guys remember right before uh, Kyra Bay, Arzu, and Shorts got pulled in when they were causing the accident, fireworks were going off? It was the same type of fireworks. So that was posing the questions. And they made it such a scene like Chota was like, oh, look, fucking fireworks are going off as they're running from the cops. Interesting. So why would you put that in there? So that you know raises a question do they pull people whenever those fireworks go off and whatever time it is is oh, that when they pull people i just think time's fake yeah i also I think time's fake but maybe that symbolizes okay this this group is on to the next round now a whole nother parallel world you know like gets scoops up their next victims to start playing from oh square one shit, i kind of fuck mm. with that yeah like, tournament of champions that would be mm. really fucking and that would be sick if they oh yeah so it's like uh it's like uh got a high school with the key right <laughs> you know you know what you could be like there's different if time is fake 
and then there's every survivor of Ten of Hearts game just won, even though they were different from different times and are going into these face cards together. I do fuck with it. Yeah. (laughs) The last thing I will add before we get to superlatives is that going off that kind of idea of Miris the redheading for someone else, I just I don't think it's true because I think there's a good evidence on the contrary of it. But I think that there is this is gonna sound crackpot tinfoil, but I think Chishia could be the game master. <laughs> and I know that sounds wild, <laughs> that but sound I feel wild. like so Arisu's whole role is that he is going against the game master. I feel like and realizing it more a lot this episode and talking about it, that they kind of have pitted Chishia against him the whole time of like who figures things out the quickest, like all this kind of stuff. And obviously, if he she is the game master, he knows the game. So whatever. But and I'm not saying that the evidence behind it is amazing, but I just think it's interesting to talk about throughout the Ten of Hearts game. We really get a lot of his reactions. To, he's just kind of watching overhead, watching them figure everything out. And as the people say things and they figure things out, it goes to him and how he reacts to it. And also, I mentioned the quote, but when he says when uh, they meet up in the control room and he says, you know, not bad for someone I have high hopes for. And I just think that that quote is kind of interesting. You could take that a lot of ways. You could, I mean, you could interpret it a million different ways. He said high hopes for sure. Yeah. Which is just kind of interesting. That's 100% me taking that, that, that like, that your narrative, that my narrative is correct. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. With, the with whole like thing. the tournament to find the one person who they are looking for. But I, I don't think it's as crazy as it sounds on the surface. That Jashia is the game. That's master. popped into my head, so I think it's good that you brought it up for sure. But the only reason I just think of like epic. scenes like him versus Niragi, like just kind of make it yeah. seem like it's just he doesn't know either. Yeah. But, but also, I mean, I, like it, game, I, like I don't it. know if it necessarily means that the game master is the person that knows everything. Jashia could be just like and cl- he's so he smart; be- he just wants to set this up for himself, exactly to play. And like That's I said, and he could also be like what I was saying. Like Mira could be hearts; he could be the clubs guy or the spades guy. You know, that's just what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah, I was thinking now that you brought it up, he could have made the whole thing and thrown himself in there just to test to yeah. see how he. That's literally yeah, what yeah, sort of the guy from Sword Art Online. Online did the that's same what thing. I was thinking about Sword Art Online, but while I was watching, I was watching this earlier. Yeah. These are great theories, honestly, all around. I actually have a theory, too, that I wanted to talk about <laughs> real quick, real quick. Um, I mentioned how before in other episodes we recorded that, like, there's some kind of obviously bigger uh, with the time and that how we don't really know when they were brought in, if they were from the future or the past or maybe really far in the past. But I just thought it was interesting that when the episode started, they started, they showed the boot up of Asai and Momoka's phone. And it said, like, product name, border phone obviously some kind of huge player because also I, I thought maybe this has to do with the yakuza guy that was mentioned in the Hatter. in the hatter's background like he could not maybe he's a yakuza guy that has connections to a big head corporation mm-hmm. that like distributed all these phones and has his technological resources to make this game and everything i thought they didn't show us that it said border phone variant lg border like it was a deeply planned thing. So I think it crosses out the theory that this is like a different world, a whole different world or something like that. I think this was created by somebody. It could be Shibuki's company. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, too. she worked for an artificial intelligence or virtual reality company. Yeah. They kind of threw that in our face a little bit in episode two, I believe. And mm-hmm. then they talk about it, shoot it down because Whoa, of yeah. reasons. But I feel like the reasons were that like they couldn't recreate that level of pain 
that's Katarube and Chota's understanding of what virtual reality technology is. So yeah. They obviously don't know what the fuck's going on. Then I think that's, that takes a cake right there. Then that those phones had to have been created and, and programmed by that company. And she is the CEO. And she is the CEO. Yeah. And he just tosses himself in the game for fun. Yeah. All right. We're going to move to the round table discussion of just some of our favorite aspects of this, of the show. Starting with Alki, what was your favorite episode? I'm really bad at picking favorites, but you know, on my rewatch, I really loved the last episode. I I think it takes I think it's the best quality episode in the whole show. It ties mm-hmm. everything up. My favorite episode is the last boss episode though. 7. What they the flashback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that episode. From dude, it was so hard for me. Literally, I have here 5 to 8 were all just equal to me just with how much shit we get. But I'm going to go with three. <laughs> I just think, <laughs> dude, look at him subvert our expectations. I was He's just learning. like five to eight was like gold. But three is just that moment where I was just like, I need to n- figure out what the fuck's going on in the show. Like I me watching that, even on my second time watching it, just pulled me in so much. And I just can't not pick three for my, myself. But five to eight, it would be three and then five to eight. And that's it. Yeah, I had. I couldn't pick. I couldn't pick between three and five. They were both so good. Three. I th- I think I'm going to go with three because as soon as I watched that, I was just like Luke said, just mouth was literally open for like 10 seconds. Um, five was so great, though, because, you know, we had to do a single episode on it by itself because you get introduced to so many like so many more people, new concepts and like theories just bust wide open at that point. I'm going to stick with eight, which I kind of decided at the beginning of the recording that it just barely beats out episode seven. Cause I love the flashbacks and I love Kuina, but episode eight just did everything I needed to. And Alki pointed it out. It's the best. Yeah. I'm a bit salty that it, I almost made it all the way around the round table without anyone saying eight, because nah, eight is my no, answer. Seven. I think it was just an unbelievable combination of answering questions yet raising more questions. Mm-hmm. I feel like we got a lot of satisfying answers, but then we also got a lot of stuff that makes us want more. And I, think that it struck like an amazing balance between the two of them mm-hmm. so definitely eight for me all right oh all right so next category here we got is favorite character so everybody stake their claim dave after talking and re-watching agony it's gotta oh, be agony it's here. literally no literally hear. like right here i have chashia followed by agony but it's just like we talked so much about how good it's just not even his character. It's the actor. It's just literally everything top to bottom backstory, character design, just everything is literally me to a T. So I got to give it to Agony and then honorable mentions are Shishi and yeah, I was, uh, I was stuck between two probably unlikely ones, uh, Carve and, Anne. I fucking on the second watch through, I loved Anne. Um, I thought she was way more, like powerful way more smart than i realized the first watch through mm-hmm. uh, the fact that she you know used to work in the forensic evidence department i mean that is going to be so unbelievably helpful just surviving games the way she's so confident as soon as she starts a game she can test ariso because she already knows the solution she's just such a badass what if agony and her knew each other they'd have a powerful baby together man i would yeah. love that kid <laughs> but paul no i'm the same way you can tell i the second watch through raised and probably the most of any character from when I initially watched, but I'm going to stick with my boy to It easily could have been Hatter for me. If he had more 
actions alive. Adder was Hatter. I just thought the actor did great. He looked cool. And I think he would probably be my favorite manga character because you could flush him out a little bit more. But Chisia is just the man. I gush over the fact that he is the Cheshire cat. He's the neutral faction that can cause chaos, but he's also the Sherlock Holmes that literally takes every piece of information and, and just comes to the, the correct cl- conclusion every time. And he just gets shit done. And his battle, little quick battle with Niragi on the rooftop, what he flamethrows him was so badass. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I am going to agree with Dave and literally because of the finale episode. I mean, the finale episode was my favorite episode. I would say even partially in part because of how it what it did to Agony's character. I can't imagine what it'll be like rewatching the show because even just looking back Mm -hmm. on just like knowing what he was carrying like the entire time that we'd known him, but we didn't know it yet. I just love that concept. They hit it really well. And then his actor did it so well. And then really kind of let loose on all of the emotion at once. And it felt so real that I love that. And then if I'm going to get an honorable mention, I'll just say Kuwina. Yes. Yeah. I, I love me some Kuwina. Well, I, um, you know, obviously I loved all the obvious ones. I loved Arisu Chishia. Now, as we talk about Agony more, I appreciate his character way more than I did first watch. But I have to go with my guy, Last Boss. Yes. Oh, that's, that's so crazy. wild. That's man. my guy, bro. He's my guy, dude. He's that's so, it. That's all he needs. That's I just wrote needs. down, is he dead? He's not dead. <laughs> like, I hope he's not dead. I hope he comes back and he's like, you motherfuckers, you fucked up my shit. Just tries to fuck him real quick, but I don't think so. <laughs> tries to water him real quick. <laughs> fuck, him fuck him up. Sorry. Pause. No, but, nah, nah, but I loved, I just thought he was so cool. Like, I just, I love a good bad guy. He has his reasons for why he's like the way he is. You know what I mean? He's a simple, he's a simple evil guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Naragi's a little more like um, complicated. He was bullied last boss. He's like, I want to reinvent myself as this type of person. And he's not necessarily like evil. I think he's just following orders and he enjoys what he does. Like Bro. maybe he has. What nah, does he yeah. do? He he, he does some questionable kills without any. True, I was reason. saying like he follows like his orders is what I episode meant to say. seven. He stabbed that one chick who spoke out without any yeah. inclination. Like nobody gave him an order. Nobody oh, died. So he's to a free him. spirit. Even more reason. He's a free spirit. <laughs> Love him even more. He yeah, reminds yeah, yeah. me of Kimpachi the way he swings with one hand. I just think he's cool. Yeah, that was very interesting that we all had a different answer and no one said Arisu. Yeah. I was actually. Gonna oh wait, no, you and Dave had the same. Answer. I was also going to say that I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that none of us picked Adisu just because he's kind of a pussy a little bit. Like he, he's got like I think by the end of the series, yes. I think like, we could put him in that discussion of being our favorite characters. But for what we saw with like regarding backstory and like like different emotions that each character had, like I'm glad who brought it up, Hatter. That was my other honorable mention. Like Me too, I was yeah. saying, I'm going to wait to give it but my honorable mentions were Chishi and the Hatter and Karube like Paul said but mm-hmm. I just love all, all no. a lot of the characters are so good and that's what that, and it, we, it proves it that they're all so good that we all had for the most part different answers so Arisu is going by the end is going to have the most character development and will probably be the best character yeah. by, the, by the very end when he's mm-hmm. just bloodthirsty for that game master and just but anyway 
Moving on to the next category here, we have least favorite character. And we're going to kick it off to Paul first. <laughs> I wonder who it is. We all fucking know who it is. It's Water Rising, my arch nemesis. His name is his name is Tata. It just makes it I worse. I, Dude, I literally know. have least fave character named after my favorite things. <laughs> Tits. That must be torturous. I'm glad they never fucking said his Do name. Do you have a specific part or a specific scene that you hated him the most and is it water rising part it's gotta be water rising. <laughs> i just fucking hate him followed up by but she's a human oh my god dude i actually am so happy that i've like made a catchphrase kind of thing i know it's paul's nemesis but the fact that you guys are calling them ride a rising <laughs> so good right now all right so i honestly had a hard time picking because i like every single character that Me gets too. an extended amount of screen time. So my character is a little bit of a cop out because we all are going to hate this character. But my least favorite character is Queen's dad because fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, I didn't even like okay. consider I, him. I, that's option. what I'm saying. Yeah. I was reaching and I knew no one would probably put him down, but he kind of sticks out as someone I would like to punch in the face. He's in a game, dude. He's somewhere there. He's the master. That would be crazy. Just like Usagi's dad, right? He's the game master. Paul, remember you called that? Uh, yeah. Or he could be in the game. He could be in the game. We we need to do what they do on inside the NBA or uh, with they just like write post-it notes on the wall like of like crazy outlandish shit and like they just go back to it if like it's right or wrong. Like, Quick I think confession, we start doing that is that. a great just, idea. Like, start posting them on the wall like right here, just like holy shit, that is a great shit. idea. Yeah. Even Quick, if you were just yeah. take had a page up too and we were taking whatever. I was waiting with bated breath, bated breath for you to finally say the name because I thought you were gonna say Chota, no. and I thought that was you were gonna take my answer again. Because I'll just say Chota's my least favorite because in reality, Water Rising is probably my least favorite. <laughs> but just to spread some love around or spread some hate around, I yeah, guess. Yeah, spread some hate. I'll just toss it to Chota. Chota just it did literally nothing for me. If the, the cult turns out to be what I think it is, then I might have to rescind that title because technically he kind of introduces us to the cult. But just fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. I, I hated Naragi. But I think my least favorite character is Shibuki, man. Mm-hmm. I just think she was such a waste. I still don't understand why she was there and, and what purpose she served. You know, and she she fucked the beta of the group, the gamma. Will honest. you change your mind like him if we find out in the future that like her introduction to the company that is running this whole thing kind of played a part? Would that make her kind of cool and worth introducing? Sure, I think that would add more depth to her character, to to why to her role in the show. But I still I still hate what she did and how she acted like she didn't do anything for the group she was no help except for like she did kind of i guess help the group in the beginning but i still didn't like her so. i can't hit anybody with tatas like that <laughs> damn i don't know i was i don't hate her dude probably she's on uh... <laughs> it's the only time i've ever wanted to be choda wasn't it Okay. You guys had some good answers. I don't know why I didn't even think of them. I guess it was because it was so early on that like they died and everything that I didn't really think of them. Like this was a reach for me, this one right here. Like literally I have Number two, the glasses guy, number two. Bro, because what? I wanted more from him, but like my next comment is all characters are good. But now I'm kind of thinking like Shota, <laughs> not really. Shibuki, not really. Naragi. Adiso's dad could be a canon. He sucked. Yeah, and his brother too. Yeah, his brother. Both sucked. But yeah, I had number two just strictly because it was a reach, but just because I wanted more from him. And that was one of the things that we got honey dicked at the end is like what happened to him. So okay. interested to see where it, but that's also another subject to change thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Chota in Spanish means small, younger. Then fits very uh yeah, maybe obsolete, non-comparable. Beta. Yeah. That's beta shit right there. 
All right. Next one here. I'm going to start us off. I'm selfishly going to take the easy answer for favorite flashback or backstory. And mine, without a doubt, was Kuina's. Uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to act like it's an easy topic to talk about. But I think that the show did a really good job of first the, the misdirection where you think it's last boss's flashback. That was incredible. And it turns out to be how Kuina became who she is. And just the instant payoff of showing her training with her dad and showing that she's capable of getting the martial arts skills to the level that she had them. And just like, it it was just so perfect. She owned her past compared to last boss, avoiding it. And it helped her, in my opinion, have the best fight of the entire show. So Kuina first, you suck. Second, I will say that. Taking all of his answers. My favorite flashback is because someone else is going to say a a better one that I'll say Shibuki getting banged out (laughs) was my favorite (laughs) flashback. (laughs) Wham, 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 wham. She's getting her back blown out, dude, by the CEO. Yeah, so that'll be my answer. She was getting her back lightly pushed by this 80-year-old guy. He blown out. I would have been sheesh, but um, <laughs> no, yeah, sheesh. You got out. Uh, my favorite. Okay, so I understood this as like a two kind of two part question, but I have my favorite flashback as Hatter beating the living shit out of Beach Guys and him creating the third rule. Okay, I like I that. A that lot. was uh pretty cool because I mean you just saw you didn't see that side of Hatter until then. You saw his his craziness, his eccentric, how eccentric he was and obviously how ludicrous his ideas were and how, you know, he was like a chaotic good, arguably. But that was that was pretty evil shit. You know what I mean? He he killed those people that were his comrades. And I thought that was it, it shed a lot of light to Agony and it just opened up a lot of the story, you know, and about the beach. That was my favorite flashback. My favorite backstory is Kalinas. Just had Agony straight up. That was by far, I think, the most complete. Well, not, I shouldn't say that. It wasn't the most complete, but I just thought that it, we got a whole episode dedicated to it, essentially, in this final episode. And that just was so hard for me not to pick him at that point in time. Most emotional for me. Yeah. That one. Um, I have two. I have Usagi with her father just because it's so cool that she's like a rock climber and is able to do that Assassin's Creed ridiculous shit. And also why she has the drive to live. I think she's just a really cool character. But I think my favorite flashback has to be just the Hatter in his hat store. When Agony's there, he's like, I can't believe you're a Hatter. And just they're just happy and chilling. And he looks so different. The Hatter with a big smile on his face. It was such a weird juxtaposition between the Hatter with the robe and glasses. Damn, good answers all around again. We're not really stepping on each other's toes too much besides me on Kyle, but we got a couple more here. The next one up is going to be a fun ship. So, Kyle, any two characters, regardless of the situation of what's going on in the show, who would be a fun power couple? So I'm going to take a little uh, creative liberty and say that the audience is a character. (laughs) Because they are part of the show. Oh my god! And I will say that me and Psycho, <laughs> <laughs> me and Psycho is a great ship. Remind but, us who Psycho is again. Uh, she's the hottest chick in the show, aka the chick that loses somehow to Paul's nemesis, <laughs> which is why he is my least favorite character in, in actuality. <laughs> but me and baby girl sounds like a fun ship. All right, I'd watch that video. <laughs> video singular. I'd watch that series. <laughs> Uh, my fun ship, and I hope I'm the only one, is Momoka and Asahi. 
Oh, I like that. Dude, they were definitely liked each other, man. I think I think there's something going on there. I mean, maybe that's why Asahi was like, I don't need to be here. I want to help everyone. And my girl's gone. So I'm gone, too. And I don't know. But I thought that was something like in uh, anime fandoms on the Reddit. They'd be drawing weird photos of her <laughs> them together. So that's mine. That does completely contradict the idea that they are the twins from Alice in Wonderland representation. Well, man, yeah. I mean... <laughs> you ever seen Game of Thrones? Yeah, it was just <laughs> that's pretty, true. That's it's true. pretty famous porn category, I feel like. <laughs> a brother and shit. This was I, actually the hardest question for me, to be honest. Um, trying hard not to pick Arisu and Usagi. And this is going to be a great one because there's going to be a lot of hate behind it. I have Kawina and Paul's nemesis here. What the fuck? But yeah, he does was, not deserve her. Explain yourself. Yeah, they were both in that game, in the in, you know they were in that first game with water where ro- water rising was literally born, <laughs> and you know they were just eye fucking a little bit. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna. Oh, so Dave just picked it. two characters. I literally just picked two. I literally could. This was the hardest one for me. I, I had okay, so I have two. I have a couple I'd like, and then a couple I would absolutely hate. And Karube and Kuina, I think that would be a badass couple some scrappers they could take on anybody the worst couple i could possibly think of was water rising tata and chota's mom i just <laughs> they just sound like wow the worst couple like the most annoying people ever but real quick question for you guys do you think agony had a little bit of love for hatter or were they no. just friends nah they were just boys yeah okay all right so mine i'll end us here with saying a fun crazy couple would be dope they would have some crazy sex would be hatter and mira That'd be nice i'd watch that series yeah right <laughs> I would watch they that would series. be insane together just even their dynamic just walking around the beach just by the pool like i, I don't know shibuki, nothing really to add there but shibuki and last boss that'd be that'd be a crazy power <laughs> <laughs> all right so next category here we have three more so what is your favorite quote of the season? So earlier, Kyle mentioned this and I said, damn it. It's because my favorite quote was when Mira talks about there's going to be more games and Chishia finds out and Queen is like more games. And he's like, I don't dislike the idea. Yeah. That, was my, that was my favorite quote. I don't know. I just I feel like it describes him so well. That was awesome. This is easy. It is son. mono no shio. Only because of the Japanese version. If we had to pick like an English quote, I don't have that. So all I have is death to traitors. What would you have done if Alki just said that in Japanese? He would have cut Rude, my head off. Me. You would have killed him because he, he's, he's a traitor, bro. You would have killed him. Rule two. I would have just gone right what to What is that? Two. All cards belong to the beach? I, there's no way I'm pulling that up off <laughs> memory. Right right shot me with his everything. All cards belong to the beach. They was like, hell yeah, brother. <laughs> But that was my quote. I just love saying it. That's All right, it. Paul. Or uh, uh, what got the Arisu? <laughs> I think my favorite quote is probably Agony, right? When he gets that scar in episode two in the Tagger game. And he goes, oh, things are getting interesting mm. before he kicks the living shit out of the Tagger. Nice. The the, the runner up I had was uh, Karabe when Arisu's running around in episode three. And he's looking for him. And right after he gets up from hiding, he's like, oh, shut up. dude! You're so noisy. Mm -hmm. I just loved it. Him trying to be normal. So my favorite quote is one that happened in the last five minutes of the season where 10 minutes, I should say. And it's just all reflecting on Arisu's character growth and his 
goal towards killing the game master. And it's just what I, I said it earlier in the podcast. He says, yes, but one thing is different. We're finally seeing our target. And I just love the idea of that. And to finish us out, and I was nervous that Paul or Luke was going to say this. For me, this quote was kind of, honestly, probably a turning point. It was, it was such an interesting kind of like, oh, shit, it's like that when they're in the water rising game and they explain the rules and the water's rising. And then Anne just looks at Arisu and says, what will you do, Arisu? When she says that to him and it was like, well, fuck, it's like that. She knows what's good, but she's testing him like that. Like the beach is really about it. I like that quote a lot. Anne crushes that whole game because when, when Arisu figures it out and she gives a little smirk, that, that moment's great. She's just fantastic in the whole water rising game. Waifu. Our next one here, second to last, is I want everybody's least favorite moment or a plot hole of the first season. Just something that bothered you about the first season. And Dave, kick us off first. This was actually the hardest (laughs) one to pick. You guys brought up a couple ones in in some earlier podcasts that I think I would have chosen here. I couldn't remember them at the time. So literally the one I have here is Paul's nemesis should be dead. Like, I mean, he went up. I mean, he went up against like water rising and he went up against multiple people with guns. And is still alive. So you should have died with Joe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that I mean, you guys, I couldn't think of the ones that you guys had said, but that was the one I okay. had. Um, mine is from episode four. It's when Arisu and Usagi are doing that running game where the goal is the bus, and Arisu's like, "Yeah, it'll be easy. Like, I can go all the way back. I can push this motorcycle all the way back to the yeah. beginning." And then drive this bus through all these cars that are parked together, too. I was like, no, that makes no logical sense for the amazingly logical Arisu. Mm-hmm. No, mine's mine's along the same kind of vein where I think it's a plot hole. Of, and I don't think it could really be explained away at this point. But I hate the idea of I think it's episode five when you're first introduced to the beach. And we have that whole scene where everyone gets their game assignments and you see 200 plus people <laughs> fly out of the beach to start going to all these different games and cars and stuff like that. And it really, really bothers me that they went the whole first four episodes without really running into more people than it doesn't, it doesn't seem realistic to me that you would even have a game in the situation where episode three, where there's only four of them and they're the only people that were there when there were so many people from the beach, just flinging left and right, going to all these different games. I just didn't really like that. I was actually thinking about that too. It's like, what is the turnover rate for people that live at the beach? Like, yeah. okay, they all go, they all go out in the games. Great. Okay, a hundred of them die. Where do they replace those hundred people? Logistics with, you with know? the beach people doesn't okay. necessarily make sense. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, we try not to repeat, but Paul's answer is my answer. I just thought that whole game was just us talking about the podcast was us like trying not to nitpick the fuck out of it we weren't we weren't very successful but the twist at the end was good yeah just the concept of it was kind of uh, yeah i also was uh along luke's lines thinking of that not necessarily that specific plot hole but i was just like i thought there there was if you're there it's likely that you'd probably be running into other players Mm -hmm. more often but my plot hole my least favorite moment is when the beach turned on without generators like they turned the grid on like nobody thought to plug their phone in or something or like go on a computer. I don't know. I just thought it would have been kind of cool. Wasn't that during the 10 of hearts game? Yeah, but like exactly like all. Let me charge my phone right. real quick. Yeah, they don't even I mean, you live with that. Those kind of things. To... They don't have their phones. 
there hasn't been actual power since they've been in the world, why would they like be prepared to have electricity come back on? True. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, well then fuck me then. then. It's perfect. It's a perfect show. All right. So you already went Dave, yep. right? Okay. So last accolade category here I have is the best single moment from the entire season. I'm going to say Queen versus last boss. I thought that was just a sick fight. Two awesome characters, two awesome backstories, and a pretty sweet ending, honestly. Damn, that is actually my answer, so I'm going to give a second one because I don't want to repeat here. My favorite moment, and it really only becomes your favorite, my favorite moment after the finale, but I love Hatter walking up to Agni in front of everybody at the pool and saying, who's your boss, right? And it, that's just, there's so much going on behind the dynamics and you find out in the finale here of how that's even possible and it also just highlights how cool hatter is and the control that he has on the beach but that's my moment i I love that part so yeah queen versus last boss was mine as well so i will pivot to i guess it's not necessarily a specific moment but from between when arisu and usagi get introduced to like the hatter and to momo and asahi now that we know this being the ones looking at them like being introduced to the beach seeing them all partying and then they're in the nightclub and shit that was like such a cool moment when you first find out about it because when you first hear the beach it's like in a very intense situation it sounds very serious and all this stuff and then you get there and it's like people just like fucking and drinking and dancing and going in the pool and shit and i was just like oh fuck this is like not what i was expecting and i absolutely love this i think i um I was really hard for me to pick this. I'm actually finally deciding on it as Kyle's talking. I think my favorite, the best part is the uh, Mira reveal as the mm. person because, you know, I liked how the show Niragi was like a sinister guy of top villain, dead. Agony, dead. He was like a provoker as well. Now we're getting to the more like the top level people. Mm-hmm. And I just, thought it was a big moment i have two um for me it was obviously figuring out game the game one his mc moment i just think that that moment for me was just really special and unique just because even as we're watching the show i'm trying to figure out how to how the fuck they're going to figure this out and then just seeing his response and figuring out in that moment uh, was just incredible for me. And then the second one I have here was just Agony saving Arisu and Usagi just to bring back to the whole, I love Agony, like the whole story, <laughs> that wraparound of him being a dick to him literally saving the people that he was going to kill and rape earlier this season. It's just like crazy to me. So that was my All right, that was great, boys. I think we uh, summed up. You could tell what kind of fan we are from those answers, and you can tell what we appreciated from the season. We all clearly liked it so much, but I do have, Another three rapid fires that I just want a prediction on the board so we can look back on this when we're podcasting in season two. Simple one hitter answers, but we'll go from my left and we'll just will Arisu and Usagi kiss in the second season. Yup. Yes. Yes. I'll go farther. Ah. I think he's going to grab boob. <laughs> God, I hope so. so I bad. think there's totally a chance that they have like a a family now kind of relationship think, going on and I don't know if they're ever going to be romantic so I'm, I'm going to say no. If they kiss, I think why just stop there? You know? I think I it's going to be okay. like the night before so a game. Just, yes. He's not saying will they only kiss. Alright, next one here is will any of these three, four characters I have written down that quote-unquote died make an appearance alive in the second season? 
And I'm saying Last Boss, Naragi, Agni, or Hatter. Are any four of those going to make it a live appearance in the next season? I'm saying no because I really hope not. Okay. I'm saying yes, dude. I think I think Last Boss is coming back because I don't know, like he's crazy, and <laughs> we we didn't see like all those guys we saw as pretty much dead. Like they went into a fire. I guess you could say. I feel like it's the, I was gonna say the opposite. If anything, the only one we definitely well, got are, confirmed is Last Boss. Hatter, 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 or, Hatter, Hatter. 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 I got shot in the neck and stuff. There's no way he's living. He's dead. I'm sorry. I think I think Last Boss could come back. All right, Dave. No, no. I'm gonna say no. And I'm also going to say none of them will make an appearance. Well, I feel like if there was to be one of those four. Okay, fine. Last boss. It's last boss. (laughs) Because because you saw him sitting there in the fire. He was given that Mm -hmm. North Pole monologue, but we didn't see anything. And last prediction. I just won on the board right now. And your answer can be somebody. The literal answer can be. We don't know that person yet. So who is going to be the queen? The queen? Of Hart's character, and it can be a guy, obviously. Mira, <laughs> I'm saying you can pick. You can say like it's an unintroduced character. If you, but do you think it's going to be Mira? Yeah, I mean, I ain't no bitch, so I'm not saying we don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my mindset. I think that Mira is like maybe the Queen of Hearts, but I still think there's someone bigger than her. Chose's mom. The, was that the question? Oh yeah, no, God. I'm I'm not talking about Amir specifically. Oh I'm saying queen like is who is the queen of hearts? Is it someone we haven't met or is it Mira? So yeah, you're you're saying it's I not answer, Mira. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Chota's mom. Honestly, she comes back. <laughs> um riding priest dick. Yeah, I mean, Mira, Kyle convinced me last episode when she was so obsessed about the hearts games. She only talked about the hearts games. Got to be. And when she was on the screen when they first introduced her, she was sitting down. When she stands up, it kind of looks like a throne. It's like a, it's like a big fancy mm-hmm. chair. All right. And I want it to be Mira, but I don't think we've met the character yet. And there you go. All right. So we're going to have a fun little build your own survival team section here. So premise is you land in the Borderlands and you need to survive as long as you possibly can. You have a $7 budget. Build your ideal survival team. So the way this works is there's three different levels. There's a $3, $2, and $1. So again, you have a $7 budget. The five choices for $3 are Hatter, Aguni, Sheshe, and and Arisu. Yeah, I said that name horribly wrong. Sheshe? Sheshe? Sheshe, I think. Sheshe? Sheshe? Wait, so that wasn't a bit? She has yet two dollars, two dollar options. Karube, Kuina, Last Boss, Usagi, and Nuragi. And then last option, one dollars, Shibuki, Chota, Water Rising, My Arch Nemesis, Tata, Natobi, the guy from the tag game, the realtor, and Chota's mom. Yeah, I'm just gonna go first to give you guys some time. I I'm going to go the three two two route. So I'm going to do three dollars for Anne. I think I'm going to feel safe as hell with there. I think she's smart. I think she's going to get me through every game. The only problem is maybe physical. We could be screwed, but she's a powerhouse. I'm keeping her with me. Two dollars. Kyrie He's a beast. Bringing him everywhere. He's my muscle. And then Kuina, the other two dollars, because Kyrie is kind of a ladies man and might take Anne from me. So I'll take Kuina. Kuina as a you know garbage. Yeah. 
Whoa, you don't like my <laughs> list? No, it's fine. I, I'm just I was actually I'm not gonna, taking Kyrie Bay. I was actually only gonna go the smartness route. So I'm glad you brought up the muscle because I was literally just Hatter, Chishia, and fucking Natobi right off the bat. Like it's easy for me. But then I'm like, ah oh, shit, you're right. Like the physical games do kind of fucking matter. So I think what I would do is I would choose Hatter 100 percent win record, or at least whatever dominating mis- the game, yeah, figuring out the situation, whatever yeah. it is undefeated essentially and then i'm gonna go kadube for those pesky little uh spades games and then i will go this is hard maybe i shouldn't have gone next <laughs> no, no i'll go i'll go kawina you're also dying probably so, so you're the same as me except for and you had hatter yes hatter's a little crazy man i don't i just don't think anyone mentally at two is there like those are all i'm going people. so top heavy here i'm taking two three dollar characters here and a throwaway i'm taking Chasia and Hatter, and I'll just throw in Nerobe there because he can be the fodder that Toby. was Toby. Sorry, that was my original yeah. three. Because was those three? Yeah, because I mean he was three for three or five for Dude, five or whatever. You it was. give me Hatter and Chasia, they're taking over the world. Yeah. They are the game masters but, together. Send it. You're so right. <laughs> I was like, what about those physical games? Chasia or Chasia will figure out a way around it. He had a sweet little flamethrower action. Yeah, thing he can jump. Around. So you can, can jump. jump. Yeah, that's all he's got. He, got. he can double jump, double tap back. jump right there. That's all he's got. All right, Alki Kyle. I will do somewhat similar to Luke, but I'm going to do Cheshire <laughs> and Arisu will be my two, three characters mm-hmm. because I think those two can balance each other out, fill holes that the other one has as basically Arisu has some semblance of emotion while Cheshire uh, doesn't really think that way. And then while those two figure everything out, and we keep winning games, and as we keep surviving, the squad wins over Shibuki's trust, and me and Shibuki just bang while while those two <laughs> figure everything out, and we just that's how it works. Sounds nice. Psycho's gonna be jealous. Damn, I should. She wasn't. She wasn't a character. I would have picked her. I should have picked that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going Chishia three dollars. Chishia, as Paul said. And then I'm going last boss as my (laughs) as my bruiser. (laughs) You can't quit this guy. And then I'm going Usagi as a agility type, hunter type, bangable type, bangable type. (laughs) And then I'm going. Obviously, I'm part of this group, right? So we're killing it over here. Honestly, not a horrible group as long as you're on last boss's good side. Are you kidding me? He's I got him for boys. I almost don't want a single one of these one dollar characters in my near my squad. I feel like they're just going to be a negative to me. See, Boogie you, could be near my nuts, dude. Sorry. You could be like Mira and take all five one dollars just as bait, just as fodder to throw out there in That's a game. A if you get that door game, pooh, that one dollar, this one dollar <laughs> options are looking pretty nice. Yeah. Water <laughs> rising, yeah. you'll live if you go in that door right there. Did you not put Mira in here because she's like head hunt? Yeah, yeah that wouldn't be fair. <laughs> Like yeah, obviously, I'd want to like a dealer slash game master. When I mean, you put the game master in, though, <laughs> shut up. All right, guys, I think that about does it. But I do want to just give us all last chance to talk because we will not be back until season two, whenever that is. I know I've mentioned it earlier on, but season two got greenlit right away, so that's definitely on the way. Unless some creative differences come up, that should be out. I'm assuming early 2022. I'm hoping for at least. Either way, we're going to be covering it when it comes out. And I just had a blast doing this. I thought this was such a good introduction for us to let our manga flow through the podcast. And I fucking love the show. I'm happy, Kyle. You enjoyed it as a rook. 
it was a fantastic time. And welcome Anauki as his first appearance on the podcast too. Great yeah, time, boys. That was uh, really fun. I'm glad you guys had me be a part of this. It was a pleasure, and I'm glad that I had the chance to express my geekness. <laughs> And your love for Last Boss. And my love for, yeah, Last Boss is my guy. And also the hot chicks and <laughs> and manga and anime stuff. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Bingetown TV and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Be sure to check out our new line of merch, our website, and our new Patreon. We got a little, uh, we got some different tiered subscriptions there offering exclusive content, content. So you should definitely subscribe to that. I don't know. We are really coming together as a podcast and your support and your guys' support really means a lot to all of us. So check it out. Once again, we are Bingetown TV and thanks for listening. Love you guys. Good shit. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 